This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back, listening to Militantly Mixed. Hi, and welcome to Militantly Mixed, a podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, a.k.a. Mixed Girl Maine, and we are back to our regularly scheduled programming, or at least our regularly styled programming. (laughs) Um, For those of you who've been with us for a while, you know that um, we had some changes over the last month. Um, I took a week break while we changed the schedule up at Main Hustle Media. We swapped Militantly Mixed from Thursdays to Tuesdays, and we swapped Blurred Comics from Tuesdays to Thursdays. Only because of our recording dates, uh, Blurred Comics, we record on Tuesday nights, and then I would release those episodes the following Tuesdays. But sometimes our, our stuff would be kind of uh, late by then. You know, topical episodes would be very late by then and stuff like that. So we switched things up so that it made our Blurred Comics thing, which was recorded just the day before, the two days before, more up to date. And since Militantly Mix isn't necessarily news topical, need to know right now, uh, we moved that over to Tuesdays. And Black Radical Queer was on a brief hiatus due to uh, loss in the family uh, for Javier Nicole, but she is now back, so... This will be the first week that everything that everything's back on track. Uh, last week's episode of Militantly Mixed that aired on Tuesday was a recording of my speaking engagement. So while I did talk about mixed raceness, it wasn't the only thing I talked about. I, I did also talk about inter- intersectional identity, my sexuality, my my belief system or lack thereof, things like that. So so that was a different episode from the normal as well. But this week, our new schedule finally being set. So every everything in Main Hustle Media is as we want it to be right now. Militantly Mixed on Tuesdays, Black Radical Queer on Wednesdays, and Blurred Comixed on Thursdays. So looking forward to going forward with this current setup. We do have a few more shows I've, that I've alluded to on this uh, show before coming down the pipe. And if you follow us on social media, I'll start talking about that a little bit more so that we can get more people interest. One of the shows that is, it's almost ready to go. We just need a little bit more content. It's called The First Time I Ever, which is a podcast about first experiences. Uh, I know you're probably thinking first sexual experience, but that isn't necessarily the nature of the show, although we will probably have an episode about that. Um, But it's the first time you ever anything. First time you jumped out of a plane. First time you flew a plane. Uh, First time you drove a car. First time you fell in love. First time you read a comic book. Whatever, Whatever your first time experience is, that really touched you that that you want to share you can come on that show share that story and uh and that's what the show is about so we're just really collecting content right now so that we have enough episode you know enough content for each episode if you would like to participate that in that you can follow us on um, all of our social media platforms on twitter and instagram and facebook we are at militantly mixed i do have some social media handles for the first time i ever but i don't have any artwork up yet so i'll share those later but if you want to participate you can go ahead and email me at charmaine at militantly mixed.com and uh, we can connect or you can just drop me a story 
you can give us a call at 323-545-6001 and share your story on that. I will record it from there and put you on the show. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's good. We got a, we got a few things coming down the pipe. It's uh, those extra ep- those other shows are just um, right now we're in the content building phase of those shows, but they will hopefully be out sometime after the new year. Yeah. So good things. I've had a lot of change in my life over the last month or so. If you've been following this show, you know that up until recently I was full-time podcasting. I wasn't full-time surviving off of podcasting, but I was full-time podcasting because I was unemployed and now I am employed again. I had to finally go back to work for somebody else so that I could pay the bills while I continue to build up Main Hustle Media as as my my future. So I'm punching a clock now, which is an adjustment. I was I was uh, laid off about close to two years ago and I had spent all that time underemployed or unemployed or freelancing and things like that. And so, um, so I'm adjusting, uh, I'm getting used to that new schedule and everything like that, but I'm not slowing down on the podcasting at all. I have enough episodes banked for military mix for months and months to come. So for the people who I have interviewed who are waiting for their episodes, it's coming. I'm sorry. I know some of you have interviewed about three or four months ago and you're still like, where the hell is my episode? Um, I do place them in, in a particular order based off of what's kind of going on either in my life or in the world at the moment. Uh, what's touching me right then is kind of what inspires me to pick the next episode. Or if people have something going on specifically that needs to air at a particular time because of fill in the blank. So I am going to get that content out there. It's just we only release one episode at a time. So that's why there is that delay. But uh, I'm just so grateful. I mean, last week I interviewed three people. This week I have two coming down the pipe. I have soft conversations of negotiation conversations about when and where and how for I think about another six or seven people. So Between what I already have banked and what is coming, I don't know when we'll ever air enough episodes and hopefully one day uh, Main Hustle Media will be so big that I can live off of that and I can start making this a daily show or or twice a week show or something like that to just get all this content out to you guys. We are building a map for mixedness. We are building a oral history of mixedness, which is something that I would have loved to have had as a child and, and I didn't have it and so I made it and I'm so grateful to all of the people who participate and I know I spent a lot of time on my intros talking about how grateful I am but uh, for those of you who don't know me um, you really, there's been a huge change in me because of doing this show. I have mentioned before that I suffer from chronic persistent depression. I also have been in a bout of major depression for a few years now. This podcast in particular, all the shows have done a lot, but this podcast in particular has been the one that dug me out of laying on the couch for hours in the dark and watching 30 Rock on repeat because it was the only thing that made me laugh, you know, stuff like that. Militant Mix really did that for me. And getting knowing that I get to connect with other mixed race people on a regular basis has done so much for me. So I really am grateful. And since this is my platform to talk about it, I'm going to tell you guys how grateful I am. And I hope that you're sharing the show with folks because I think everybody who has come on the show deserves to have their platform as loud as it can be as well. So if you're a fan of the show, please share us on on social media. You can share my posts so that people have direct links to episodes on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. Let people know what the show is like. And um, even if they're not mixed race, it's still impacting people that are non-mixed race. I'm surprised to find out how many white listeners I have and how many times somebody's episode does say something directly to a white person that makes them realize a behavior that they have. 
even those who view themselves as non-racist, you know, they realizing that they have some inherent racism through to their upbringing or whatever. And um, I didn't expect that that to I didn't expect that to be part of what was happening with this show. I originally created this show for my selfish desire to speak to mixed race people. And then it became a, oh, this is actually a platform for mixed race people that I need to make sure I keep going forever for them. And now it is all of those things. Plus, we might be fixing white folks, people. We might be doing that. So (laughs) it's a little, it's awesome. And I'm very grateful to our uh, monoracial listeners too, because the more you listen to us, the more normal and real you realize we are. And hopefully your behaviors will impact us, whether in the workplace, you're hiring more of us, intersectional people. You're not treating us as unusual or weird. You're not avoiding hiring us because you're afraid that you might say something wrong in front of us. Things like that. This is the kind of stuff that is coming up in conversations that I'm having with other uh, listeners or um, guests or friends or whatever. So it's just, it's just, there's just so much good here. There's, and I'm not a positive person by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a big old pessimist, but this is one area in which I am not a pessimist. I know that something here is important um, and needed and necessary. So I'm going to keep going as as long as you guys keep helping, keep participating, either through coming on the show and sharing your stories, uh, following us on social media and sharing our stories and trying to get us a bigger listenership so that people know that we're out here or, or your messages to me directly, what have you, all of these things. Um, we're also a fan-sponsored show, as I've mentioned before. We have sponsorship through Patreon or PayPal. You can sponsor us at a monthly subscription as as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. There are different levels of rewards or swag depending on what you donate as. And and if you want to do a one-time donation, you can also hit us up on paypal.me at slash militantly mix. And if you do those one-time donations, depending on the amount, I'll find an appropriate swag that that matches uh, up for you as well, even though I don't have anything like that posted. But yeah, for the sponsorship on Patreon, If you do a monthly sponsorship, there is different levels of swag for you. So help keep us going and growing. Right now, we do have enough sponsorship to keep our hosting for the show so that no matter what, you'll always have an episode, which is such a relief in my life to know that people cared enough just to just to know that we're going to be on every week. That part has been so amazing. And I really am appreciative to both my friends and non-friends who I you know don't know that are sponsoring right now that uh, that has been incredible. Also, one of our sponsors became a guest. So um, so there's just there's just a whole lot of good, a lot of interconnective good stuff over here. So I'm really excited. And I hope that you continue to connect with me and let me know every week what's going on with you guys, because it does help me develop the show even more even better for you. Okay. I am excited about today's episode. We have a return guest and this is one, this is one of those things I'm really excited about happening is our very first guest for episode one of Militantly Mix was John Corbin, a rapper from Canada. He is a biracial man of uh, Black Guyanan and Caucasian Canadian Mennonite descent. He he presents obviously biracially black, like light skinned black, but he grew up almost primarily white. And a big part of our episode, episode one, was about that sort of trying to fight to be seen as white because that's what he knew. He just didn't look it. And so that was the name of the show. And that was the controversial title that got people starting to listen. But once you listen, do you realize, oh, it makes so much sense that if you grew up in a certain way, but your outsides don't reflect your insides, how do you deal with your identity? And that is sort of what this show 
is about, how we deal with our identity when we don't present the way we feel. I'm the flip of John in that I'm I present very racially ambiguous, uh, you know, more Latin looking than than what I actually am. But I grew up primarily black, so I think of myself as primarily black. And and you know, a white person's not going to see that in me. A black person will or may, but a white person isn't. And so you know, we're constantly as a mixed race person or a racially ambiguous person, we're constantly fighting to be seen as what we feel that we are inside. And that is why this show is so good for anybody dealing with any kind of intersectional identity right now, because we all have this very similar thing, fighting to be seen as dot, dot, dot. Yeah, it's just, it's so crazy. So this episode, we bring John Corbin back, and that is because he has a new album out. He dropped his new album every day on Friday, November 16th. I think you can get it on Spotify right now, but it's also up for sale. You can follow him on social media on Twitter at John Corbin Music to go ahead and cop that album. But and I'll play a little bit of it on this episode for you all today to give you a taste. But I'm so excited to have him back. It was such a great conversation. Basically, we got to talk about what his life has been like in terms of his mixedness since we we spoke for the first time. So when we first met, if you haven't listened to that show, please go back to episode one and listen to it so that you can hear the change. And John, it's so crazy. When he first started, you know, he was barely scratching the surface of his mixed identity and and or even feeling maybe that he didn't have a place to do that in. And we connected right away. And because I am so mixed and have such a mixed upbringing, a lot of our personal conversations that weren't recorded were about like, no, you have a space, you have this space and whatever. And then when we actually got to talk about it, it was like therapy to be able to release these anxieties that we've had bottled up inside of us because we don't get to talk about this on a regular basis. And so that's where we left him. He was just at the beginning. To me, it seems like he was just at the beginning of of kind of doing that. And he, he and I have interacted since then, you know, through social media or email when different things have happened. So I've been a part, I've been a little part of his uh, journey since that episode. And you haven't gotten to experience that, but this episode will allow you to do that. So yeah, this is John Corbin and I coming back to talk about mixedness post his first interview on the show. And also the journey to get him to the point of this album every day, which is released. It's just so good. Like, it's so good knowing that we got mixed folks out here, that we're building this mixed family. Uh, he, he mentions it in this episode, but when I had first seen him in, in our video chat the very first time, I, w- I said, oh my gosh, you could, be, you could be one of my cousins because he does resemble actually one of my cousins. And through our conversations, we've sort of become that, you know, like for those of you who are not black, you probably are, may not be aware of the play cousins that we have where uh, as black folks, we just connect with other black folks and we, we, we call them cousins because they're, they're like family. Or if there are, you know, elder black folks, aunties and uncles, even if they're not family. And, um, and so that's a, that's a big part of blackness. And in our mixedness, it's the same kind of thing. I'm building a family full of cousins on this show. And, uh, and John Corbin would be kind of one of those first cousins that, that I got through the show. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and switch over to that episode. I'm going to I'm going to play my favorite song on this new album first, and it's called Lessons to Learn. Um, so we're going to go ahead and play Lessons to Learn first and then be joined back with John Corbin. Uh, 
figure this life out. Write out with black ink. Some want to white out what blacks think. And the truth about the life that we lead. The fight to be free. The new battlefield is a heart. And my heart puts its life to a beat. And it's judge granted my God-given right to be me. To live out loud. When the sky's gray, I spit out clouds. Words like thunder to give out sound. When the rain pours, brainstorm, stress level code red. So screaming like Kanye fans to go west. So I left, hit college, then turn pro. This life moves fast, but I still learn slow. And I might lose cash, but I still earn dough. So I owe a lot to my fans in the first row. You only get a couple trips around the sun, right? Enjoy the sunlight. You only get one. Insane when it rains lemons Squish them and sip the lemonade In the school of life I'd rather skip ahead of grade Lord help me to separate So I can hear from the teacher of experience And possibly levitate Without having to question The lessons of yesterday Mark's support fell short But now it's time to set it straight Plus I'm needing a switch I don't want to grow bitter But get better in this What's up? How you doing? Cousin. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. This is awesome. I'm I've only gotten about six songs in, but um I'm so happy for you. Oh, thank you so much. It caught it in a sense it caught me by surprise, but um but I think it's just a sign of the work that I've been putting in the last year and a bit. So. It's great. Um especially so, lessons to learn. Oh gosh, lessons to learn starts out so clean that oh, don't. It's uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so let's talk about it. We, you and I haven't. Uh, we, gosh, we recorded uh, your first, uh, your my very first episode. So we first recorded episode. you back in what was it end of May, early June? 
that we yeah we talked to for the, fir- the first time we talked and what's been going on since then you got this whole album uh you sent it to me yesterday i i've like i said i'm about five or six songs in at the moment i already have a favorite even though i'm uh, five or six songs in what's been going on <laughs> well it's uh it's been a neat journey i have to say that our conversations have been really fruitful um ongoing yeah. in my life which has That's been great. pretty fascinating even from the jump like because we did that pre-interview and and you said this on the pod but you said oh you know you could be one of my cousins and I was yeah like, I, I, I thought that was I thought that was cool and I, I you know I didn't know you yet but listening to the show as it's been going on it's been a neat sense of family mm-hmm. um, and hearing people's experiences is, is so yeah so much it just feels like kin um, to hear what people have been going through and, right. and how that relates to mine and and it's it's been neat to think oh I actually uh, hit you up on Twitter and said like oh I've had some positive experiences in the barbershop right I was so happy about that too so let's talk about the barbershop what uh, what was what was one of those positive experiences you know um I have not I've I've been to I've been to shops sort of late later in my life like as as a young adult so you know maybe the stuff I I saw on tv was a really lively conversation and people talking all the time and um, you know, sometimes, sometimes the shops I go to are really quiet. Um, but I, I think I mentioned last time that I'd been going to one for six or seven years and feeling nervous all the time. I think just admitting that helped dissipate and ease some of that tension. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm talking basketball or talking, you know, movies or whatever. And, and uh, suddenly I'm not so shy to, to speak up. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. So it's been, yeah, just, you know, I don't have, I don't have a guy. I just go and, and sit in whoever's chair is free and yeah, really fruitful conversations talking basketball or concerts or music or whatever. All right. So, so here's, a, here's a rule in case, in case this comes up again, if you don't okay. have a solid guy, whoever guy doesn't have a line, that's <laughs> the dude you the don't go to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, your your barbershop story actually was one of the things that I was getting um, hit up about. Well, early on because you were my first episode, but it's been a repeat thing. It's come up with with guests that I haven't aired their episodes yet, where they said, you know, that guy from your first episode when he talked about this, and you know, it present. I have one that's white presenting. I just talked to the other day. And mm-hmm. he recalled your story when we did our pre-interview, too. And he mm-hmm. he was like, you know, it, it was one of those things I could feel the anxiety. Like all he said was barbershop. And I felt the anxiety, you know, for myself and mm-hmm. and hearing, you know, that, that I wasn't the only one that had this experience, you know, felt good. So I think the best part of this show, or at least what's happened since I was able to put your episode first, is that people realize it wasn't just, you know, it's not always the the terrible stories. It's not always the good stories, but it's those medium everyday experiences that are the part that are affecting people the most. And, you yeah. know, a barbershop experience is a medium everyday experience, but you could have a, a lot of anxiety going into it if you have that background that, that you have. So it, it has definitely impacted people. It's certainly one of the stories mm. that comes up when people mention, oh, I've listened to, these are the episodes I've listened to. And the barbershop story is one of those ones that come up. Interesting. Um, Interesting. The other part from my experience of people reaching out to me about your episode was the either either through hip hop. Uh, so in your case, you talked about coming to it late. And, and some of the other folks that I've talked to, it, it may not have been coming to it late, but using it to, have that touchstone back to your culture, like trying to figure out 
where you fit in the culture has been a, another big part of it. And so with you dropping another album, it's a perfect time to have you back. And let's talk about like, what has right. that evolution been like for you from the first time you dropped music to, to where you feel now? Because this is a pretty clean album, like uh, independent or not. It's it's pretty solid from how mm -hmm. far I've gotten so far. So let's talk about your evolution. Yeah. So uh, the last the last record I dropped was in 2016. It was called A New Direction. And um, it was mostly self-produced uh, and and mostly mixed myself. And that, that came about, it was again, you know, in the years leading up to it, I did a song here, a song there, but, but suddenly a, a theme really came through very clearly. Um, even, even verses I'd written off the cuff, you know, somebody sends me a beat, I write to it and then I go, Oh, this actually all fits together really well. So I started pursuing this uh, project uh, called a new direction. And it was kind of, it was just, it was to me, it was, uh, maybe recognizing some dissatisfaction in my life, um, with how I perceived myself uh, and self-concept. And so that was, okay. you know, it was a, a real narrative for me, but it got, the album got stuck because I, I don't remember if I mentioned this last time, because, uh, we were, we were trying for our third kid and we yeah. wound up three kids. Yeah. You did mention that. And then yeah. all of a sudden you had triplets and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I remember gathering some some uh, friends from the scene and just saying, listen, I think I'm kind of done. Uh, I, I'm, I'm in my 30s, which, you know, is a different generation for hip hoppers. And I recognize that and that I was mentoring people already. And I just uh, I said, hey, listen, I'm here for y'all. I think I'm, I'm going to try and drop this album. But the kids came before the album was done. Mm. But I, I couldn't let it go. So. Every any 15 minutes I had, I was doing editing and uh, um, and, I, and I released it. And, and as I was about to release it, uh, a, a buddy of mine came along and he said, listen, you're not giving yourself enough effort for the for the work that this is. Let me let me help you. He helped me do a little crowdfunding campaign so we could do a video, get a website, get good artwork, all that kind of stuff. And, and then we stayed friends and 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 that same buddy was starting a label and uh, he asked he signed a couple of people I knew that I was mentoring and so 2016 um, as the album was dropping he asked me to just come on to the label and be a creative director for those guys and then uh, and and I tried to help him grow the label and sign new artists and we couldn't find anyone that was a fit and at the end of at the end of 2016 he's like I think you might be the guy I said oh that's interesting because I was just about to stop making music oh, wow. And, uh, and I had one, I had another friend of mine move into town and, and he said the same thing. He said, I don't think you should stop. And so then this label opportunity presented itself. It's called lost and found music. And, uh, I've been, so I was been with them since the beginning of last year. And so having a team with me, um, was really changed my songwriting, my focus and having some extra musicians around. So yeah, it's been a little bit of a lighter lift to get songs done hmm. uh, and yeah so and and that's provided access to a really really good engineer who just believes in our music and so he he works with us at a, at a great rate so yeah we've had a few advantages a lot of them based on you know relationships just being good people 
And that's led us to some really cool stories to help get this album done. That's awesome. And yeah, that sense of support that you start to get as you're sort of building your your family of musicians and in my case, other podcasters and stuff like that, that that support you get from others really does make the difference between um, am I going to just put something out or am I going to feel really good about what I put out? So, yeah, that's awesome. When I told those guys that I was done, I didn't realize I didn't have a lot of community around me when I got gathered those people around me. They were all from different cities and different towns and there weren't, weren't a lot of people around me, weren't a lot of places to play. So it really was community that helped spur this thing forward. Yeah. And that's similar to the mixed race thing, right? Like until we started to touch back and and this was something that you and I experienced on our first, on our sort of pre-call, which was supposed to be half an hour and was like, what almost two hours (laughs) was that thing of like oh gosh you do you have some experiences that i have and i felt alone but now that i know that you've experienced it too i don't feel so bad and 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 this what is it now five uh, four months uh since the show's Mm. been live and and every person that i talk to spurs me even further to to go like oh now it's not about me which it was in the beginning now it is about like i can't stop because i have all these people um, yeah. that need a space to talk and and I need to listen to them that, that I, I agree that sense of community is a thing it's un, it's it's unfortunate you felt like you were about to stop but I'm glad that the people stopped you from stopping mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what about you talked about a theme in the in the previous one what was what was happening to you as you were putting together uh, this album to get from the new direction to every day yeah so I started uh, in the summer of 2017 just with a, a writing camp. We gathered six guys together and, and started writing. And the first big song that came out was the, like the first one that we felt was, was really good. It was called You Care. And to me, uh, that was, you know, I, I pitched a simple melodic line to the writers I was working with. Um, and I played it for them on my phone. I recorded a voice memo. You can hear my kids yelling in the background. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I gave it to a really great musician and producer named Jeremy Rodney Hall. And uh, he sat down and played some piano. And, and you know, we had that we had that song done in about three hours. I had, I had the rhymes written already, um, but it was it was this simple. It was this simple structure that things that had been going on in uh, my life were really, really challenging. And it was it was really challenging at work. It was obviously really challenging at home trying to raise five kids. My wife was going through some real work crises in terms of where she wanted to go. She had a path for it. And uh, and that path just seemed, seemed to be keep getting blocked. Um, uh, I've been, you know, back to work for a little bit after uh, raising, being home for nine months to raise the triplets, you know, and, and, and still didn't feel like I had my footing after a year plus of being back at work, probably two years by then. Everything there were, so, if, if you say that having triplets is a crisis, that's enough. <laughs> Right. Right. It's a lot. It was a lot. Everything times three. Times three. And then then for us, you know, the work. And oh, yeah. And I had um, uh, it was wound up being miraculous. But I had uh, they caught they caught something uh, precancerous in some like medical screening. So like um, I I had a bunch of tests and they just happened to find this thing that was precancerous and they wouldn't have looked for it for another five years. And and I'm just like, oh, they caught they caught it, which is great. But I wasn't happy about it. I was like, damn, I'm 35. Right. I got to think about cancer and like, you know, your family's got to get checked and all this screening that happens after the fact that I, w- I wasn't I wasn't really feeling that celebratory. Right. 
Uh, and so all of that pain was there. And then the simple line is this sort of uh, assertion of faith where I just say to God, like, I believe that you care for me, even when I am screaming like a toddler, you know, and I obviously have been had a lot of experience with toddlers. <laughs> and this is how I felt like spiritually, like, why isn't this working for my wife? Why isn't it working at my job? Why do I have to deal with this cancer? Like, you know, it, it was why all why why five crises at once um and so we so i just shared in the verse like i need help but even though i'm struggling i believe that that you care and it was just sort of trying to ground my faith and in, in being able to move forward and what i found is that from the triplets to challenges at work to all these things i'm talking about it's it has been an everyday grind the fight to just keep the family going you know there's a song that that's starts the album called Go Hard and it's you know the checklist wake up get the kids kiss the wife go right. spin and praise God like every day when the triplets were in utero and uh, my wife there she was threatening preterm labor she had to be in the hospital she was hospitalized and every day um, there was a whiteboard with how far along she was and it'd be a 24 weeks three days and the nurse would come in and erase 24 weeks four days like mm. man this is taking so long and, and and they would just say you know every day they're inside mummy they have a better shot they're right. gonna be you know and it, they and when i started to deal with the cancer stuff and when i finally started to get a grip on it i remember somebody saying you know what the approach is I don't have cancer today. Mm. And and it is amazing how, you know, the all of these things are stretching over a, a period of like, yeah, for four years from when the when we found out we were having triplets, they just they just turned four. Um it's it's been a fight. It's been really hard. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, but it is this trying to survive and I hopefully thrive every day. That's the thing. Mm. So what um what tracks do you feel? I mean, you mentioned Go Hard, but what tracks do you feel is kind of where you're at right now, post albums complete, but pre album yeah. launch? Where What are the ones that are hitting you the most right now? It's a great question. There's, are we, um, we're doing a few shows in the Toronto area. So I've got a band and we've been building up some songs and things hit at different times. You know, there's a song that I worked on with some friends and, and it kind of fell into my lap to be on the album called be alive. And it's not, it's, not meant to be so literal in, in relation to the, you know, to the cancer stuff I was dealing with, but that um, does give you like a real sense of joy and sort of remembering, um, uh, remembering where you came from, remembering those, uh, those times where you felt uh, alive spiritually, emotionally. Um, that's something that, you know, my buddy Shad has a song called Remember to Remember, and that's it, remembering, remember Remember to remember where you came from. Right. Um, another one that I really have enjoyed is called Soul Bringer. Um, and it is, it's got a couple of my kids on it, which is really fun. Um, and that one is, uh, the, the chorus just says, if you feel good or if you feel low, I can't stop giving you soul. Like, I'm still going to make music that feels good and tries to bless you um, because whoever hears it, they could be feeling good or feeling low. And I could be the exact same way right uh, yeah that's, those are a couple for sure that's cool um yeah i'm glad i'm glad that you you've had this going on and um uh at the point at which we met i'm not sure how far along you were in it but it, like i can hear a pretty drastic shift from 
the previous album that mm-hmm. you had sent me, um, you know, your 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 New Direction album to, to now, like there, even in some of the tracks where you are talking about some of the harder things, there does seem a uh, there does seem an underlining sound of joyfulness or maybe to a certain degree, some peace from, I guess, what you went through right before you started to face this album together absolutely no absolutely i remember um when a new direction was done i sort of said to myself i want to make songs about pursuing joy but then i never set out to make another album um i just made some songs and i had the opportunity to like be in songwriting camps we did a couple of them um and then the label was working on a a joint project with the three artists that were on it and uh, we collaborated with a bunch of different people and it was not it wasn't sounding good um and and our manager who's kind of our uh you know uh he's kind of our gordy berry he says uh we need we need to we need to alter our approach to songwriting Mm. We need we need to get into the emotion. And and that meant that a number of those songs just went out the window. Right. Um, a couple of them wound up, we wound up scrapping the project and dispersing the songs. There's two of them on, on this project here, uh, Be Alive and Hope Has a Name. But uh, we, yeah, we kind of went back to, to square one in some sense. And it was really about emotion. So whenever we even started to write a song, we were thinking about um, what emotion, do, when we create the music, what emotion does it evoke? Um, and so you just get to be free to play in that emotion. And so I wasn't thinking about a narrative, but then you, the way that you write lyrics, it's just, you know, you write what's, what's going on. So, uh, so there, so some tunes, yeah, like are described challenges, uh, certainly, but, um, yeah, that emotion is not fake. I, I, I have been forced to sit in each day and, tr- and try really hard to find the gratitude and the blessings in it. So I'm definitely richer for that. I think know? that comes through. I think that's obvious from from what I've gotten to hear so far. Yeah, like I think I think you did it. I think it's. <laughs> I'm glad that it's <laughs> oh, going right. out, and I hope I hope other people um, grab it pretty quickly. Is there? Because I know we have a little bit of a time thing, so we'll probably play out a, a track or two on this episode. Is there anything about what's going through, what you're going through now, or you know what? mixedness has been like for you since we've talked mm-hmm. you know this last couple you know this last you know half a year journey or whatever since you and I talked but what you were dealing with beforehand that you'd like to throw out before we before we wrap it up yeah absolutely i i think you know going back to the the barbershop discussion i just thought it was neat that when i had a positive experience i had someone to talk to about it <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, you know, my wife is my best friend, and and and, and she certainly understands um, my struggles. Uh, but yeah, it, it was like uh, I think yeah, I think having conversations, and then um, I guess I guess a lot of the time I I have I didn't I didn't realize how refreshing it was to talk about this stuff with other mixed folk. Yeah. Um, and so that I didn't read. And, and then now I have the opportunity to sort of open up podcasts and, and hear other people's journeys. And it just sort of alleviates that tension. I know. Um, I didn't yeah. expect it either. I like I think you and I kind of touched on it when we first talked, but also it was only a, I was only a few deep, you know, a few interviews mm-hmm. deep by the time I talked to you that first time. But since then, that's exactly it. It's a, it like it's broken open this. I didn't even know how badly I needed it. Like I have mm-hmm. mixed cousins. I have mixed friends, but we 
I talk about being mixed all the time, but it never felt quite like it has felt in talking to all these strangers that are now my cousins <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> through the show. You know, these um, these moments of either somebody being really grateful that they can share something in a space where someone gets it because even if our experiences are slightly different which we talked about on our episode your experience and my experience are different but there was so many places that we related that it just it, it's not like even on the tough things it's not like it's not like it alleviates the pain of some of the tough things but it, it alleviates the loneliness i think yeah more than yeah. anything um and for me it's every week and i'm just like oh every every time i talk to a new person i get a little bit more of that and, you know, I, I like I said, I think you were I had chosen to put your episode first versus some of the people that I had talked to before because things broke open with you. Like it clicked into mm-hmm. place in a way that told me this was like I this this was how I needed to start the show off. Like it would set the right. tone. It would set the mood for the rest of them because uh, the earlier episodes were kind of finding finding that spot. And I hit it, I think, with you. I felt like I really mm. hit it with you. And even some of the moments, some of the things you talked about and, and honestly, one of the things that comes up a lot besides the the barbershop story is you saying the phrase which is how i ended up titling your episode yeah that you felt like you were there were times when you were fighting to be seen as white because of your experience and the people that had surrounded you and i thought at the moment that i put that up as a title that it would be somewhat controversial enough to make people pay attention and mm-hmm. it has been the thing that someone has hit me about and be like, that title, I need, like, what is the deal? And I'm like, you got to listen mm-hmm. to it. And then people mm-hmm. come back to me and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, I didn't realize you guys go through this kind of stuff. And, you know, some mm-hmm. of my, my monoracial uh, black friends were the ones that said that. And since then, though, the same kind of stuff that you talked about, a lot of my biracial guests that have um, more of a white upbringing or at least were surrounded more by white family they are just echoing that statement. Like it would have been so much. One, one person said something like it would have been so much easier if I just was white because then yeah. I don't have to feel like I'm lying all the time yeah. or, you know, or whatever. And I really feel that uh, that your episode helped me understand something that I didn't get about mm. being because I'm half white, too. But I don't yeah. I have no connection to that white side. So I don't know the experience like like the way you have it. I just have it on the flip side. And it's just it was so good. Like I'm I still like that episode. I have I recently listened to it while I was traveling just to kind of I knew I was going to be talking to you. So I wanted Wanted to kind of get into that headspace a little bit and mm-hmm. John Corbin that I spoke to then and John Corbin that I'm speaking to today sounds a little different yeah. <laughs> there's a lot yeah, there's a definitely. lot different there yeah I I um I like I saved that episode and so on my on Apple podcast like they just don't they don't go away like whenever I click on Milton Mix like that episodes there along with whatever else mm. I've downloaded so I see that title and I think oh, I know because I know that some people had issue with it and it just sort of I bat that around in my brain and I'd be like and then I think well you know this is me you know I, I you know it's sometimes sometimes the word white stands out sometimes the word feel or felt stands mm-hmm. out sometimes the word fight stands out and, and I, I'm fighting to try and connect with my family and and you know I've been I've been spending the album a lot at home and uh, the the first lines of Be Alive are telling a story about when I was 16 and I had like a really powerful spiritual experience but it was but it was I had to describe the void I was feeling you know mixed kids 16 no lean no dad on the home team and oh. 
The other day, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's like, I don't, I like this song, but I don't like hearing that line. Oh. And I, she said, why? I said, why? And she said, well, because I don't have a grandpa. Oh. You know? Yeah. I've got, I've got grandma and I've got granny, British granny and granddad. I don't have a grandpa. And and it just continues to remind me about that navigation. It's I because I'm not connected to my Guyanese side. I don't know how to raise them with some kind of cultural knowledge. But at the same time, as I've been fighting so like hard to to elevate my blackness or like my black cultural knowledge, I'm still trying to like be with my Mennonite family. And Mm -hmm. that carries a lot of history. And then they're half British. And that. And the tension in me, I have I have some close British friends, and one of them is like big into British history, and and that I I catch myself. Too. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, let's talk about colonialism and and the empire, and 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 then he might not see things the same way that I do right. about those histories, and you go, it's it's all a fight. And yeah. I said to her in the moment, I said, listen, um, I needed to paint that picture because for a long time I was in a lot of pain. Yeah, and for me. Being in loving relationships helped save that and finding a connection with God helped helped me, helped saved me from um, being that lonely and being that hurt. And so I wanted to celebrate that. Right. And it also with the with your daughter sort of raising the or that statement to you, it shows you too like how much of your mixed journey isn't even yours. Right. You know, what you have to do to prepare your children for their experience. Um, I'm I, I haven't seen them, but I imagine they present slightly ambiguous probably more on the white side but you could probably tell there's something going on it depends if it's summer or winter right (laughs) right um so you know there might be a point where that becomes really obvious and uh you know we should come back at some point and do a whole thing about the colonialism because uh, like in my case i make the i make the joke about being half colonist and and having the trauma of having to face that on a regular basis and and why I scream so loud to be seen as the non-colonist side because mm-hmm. there's so much pain in it. Uh, so we should we could come back. There's a few of us that have this that we could probably come back on a panel and discuss this. Uh, oh, that would it, be great. It is interesting hearing that your child is already getting there. You know, at a young age to 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 notice uh, there she's going to have her own struggle coming into it and it's going to be filtered through the way you feel so like whatever you do you have to have your mind right when you talk to her so that it doesn't throw her off on a path a different path as well and that's a lot of pressure well for sure but i think it starts in a place of honesty and yeah um and then that sort of you know i'm i try to be real on the mic, but, and, and so, you know, I, I want those, I want those two lines. I, yeah, I want those two worlds. I, I want everyone to see me as honest. So honestly, I don't know. And I are some things. And, and, uh, I think that because I'm a teacher and want to inspire lifelong learning, uh, that's how I go about things like this year. And uh, an inquiry question for me is, I wonder what my Mennonite family, what their relationship has been like with indigenous people mm. since they've been here in Canada for eight, nine generations. Right. Right. Like we're like we're talking about. Find out. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that it might it might not be good. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we can learn things about about ourselves that really do uh, <laughs> stress us out about yeah. what our histories could be. Yeah, yeah. So, so for so for my kids, you know, hey, listen, I don't know a lot about Guyanese culture. I was kind of shut out of that. Um, 
but I'm going to learn. I've been learning some things so I can share with you what I've learned. And my hope is as they get older, they'll be able to add to my learning as well because they are because they're inspired to learn. So it has to start from me saying like, hey, listen, this is some disadvantages that, that I had, but it's not, I'm not going to stop. And, and neither are you. And you're, and you're going to wind up being further along than me because yeah. of the love community you have. Yeah. And that'll, that could be some interesting moments, the shared family moments of you guys all discovering it together. That, that could be interesting. I'm similarly going through that in that we got our results back from the African ancestry test and okay. we found out what tribes in Africa we came from. So now I have a country as a as a place to target in, in my understanding and like rebuilding that bridge to Africa for my family. We found out mm-hmm. we were from the Atike, the Sogo and the Kota people of Gabon. And the, our letter came back with 100 percent confidence. So they they're like really high confidence rate that that's where they wow. originated from. I didn't ex- like that's why I did the African ancestry, because it was so detailed. They have so they have like 35,000 uh, markers for for the continent. And um, and to not only find out that uh, there's finally a country that I can um, I can look to. It wasn't even a country on my radar. You know, I didn't even know that Gabon was part of the the trade until until now. Now I know that it was in the very yeah, last too. part couple years of the trade they had branched that far out and and so like my family almost missed it you know <laughs> like they almost slipped past <laughs> but they didn't uh and so that that discovery is giving me feelings about now being able to say something about africa in which i never felt i had permission or even mm-hmm. was ever comfortable even mentioning like i was always mm-hmm. black i was never african and now right. I'm still black, but I I can learn what my African was. And that that's um, I mean, it's going to take forever and I'll never probably feel culturally immersed enough unless I were to pick up and move there um, and maybe, you know, be lucky enough to, to live near where one of these tribes currently still exists. I know the Kota still have um, lands that they that they are living in and things like that. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a thing that that part of the journey of, of trying to connect and the feelings that you have probably in your case, feelings of connecting to a culture and a people that, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, you were kind of abandoned by, you know, Mm -hmm. you didn't get, you you weren't, you weren't raised in it enough. You, and then it was kind of removed from you. And so it's still part of you though. So what do you want, what do you want and need to learn um, to make you feel that you can represent yourself properly as a, as a mixed race person? Yeah. That's been a huge question and I haven't been able to answer it yet. I took a trip. uh, I did some shows in Ottawa in August. So that's our, that's the nation's capital. Um, I was doing it on the cheap, so I took a bus. And on the bus, I met this guy, um, and it was very uh, innocuous, like just one comment, and that sparked like two and a half hours of conversation. He's also Chinese. Mm. Um, and so so I told him a little bit about me, and he talked about traveling. I've been doing a bunch of traveling and what it's like in Guyana. And so he could give me positives and the negatives. And he had a lot of negatives. Mm. Um, and it's one of those things, like when I hear those kinds of things, I was like, do I want to go? You know, no, knowing the type of person I am, uh, knowing the challenges that are there. Like, yeah, I just, I, I, it was one sense, like it was nice to have some dialogue with someone that could, that could fill me in a bit. Um, the, the breadth of 
Guyanese people that have come. He said he said to Google Guyanese entertainers. Yeah, uh, I've been doing that with Gabon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you? What have you found? Uh, beats, really, more than anything. Mm. Beats is being the thing that re- I didn't like. You know, I'm a big hip hop fan too. We talked about it, and I, for me, drums were always a really important thing, and I didn't, you know, necessarily have any reason to. It's just that I'm affected more by drums, I think, than other parts of music. And I was a dancer, hip hop dancer, and uh, Latin ballroom and things like that. So, so popping up with these drum videos of just Gabonese drummers and I, and feeling like just a wash of this thing of like, Oh, Mm. (laughs) like my blood wants this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Um, not feeling like there's any kind of, you know, programming or anything like that laced in but just that that sense of those drums were were saying something to me and was making me feel like oh this this could be my gateway into understanding the culture a little bit um connecting through through that that's fascinating so another thing that you mentioned um that just brought back a whole bunch was you made it this joke about how your family like almost missed the the slave trade yeah and we talked about humor last time uh sometimes as defense yeah uh, i uh i can't remember if i told you in may and june i took a stand-up comedy class um i've been looking into doing some public speaking and i talked to a friend of mine who was a public speaker and and he gave me some tips and he challenged me to take a stand-up class and so at the end of you know in may in may and june's end of my school year it's a really hard year I'm, i've been really struggling i'm taking the bus into toronto uh for a three-hour stand-up class and you know it's seven weeks long and i'm not finding my footing the first mm. you know three four weeks and and it's you know i'm i'm the weather change i'm bad some low-grade depression. I just don't feel funny. Um, but I also didn't know how to let loose in this group of people. Um, there was I had something in me, but it wasn't coming out. And uh, I think my fourth fourth week, uh, you know, you're presenting every week to you know a dozen people, and I finally got some laughs. And the teacher said, this is not you. I don't see you yet. Mm. And oh, I really got under my skin. Yeah. Um, and I because because in the moment, I remember standing there. She's like, I don't see you. And I was thinking to myself, well, I don't like myself right now. So I don't really want to show me to anybody. Right. You know? I understand that. Like, yeah, a lot. <laughs> I'm, just, like, I'm, not, I'm not feeling myself. And I have two friends that are, are comedians. One of them does. Uh, one of them does stand up. I texted both. Them, I said, this is my experience in the class. My buddy that does more stand up, he says, uh, you have a really good teacher. Um, the comedy classes I know, they try and put people into a box. Um, he's like, I'm actually really surprised that you said that to you. You know, a lot of times I see people, this is the way you're supposed to be funny. Uh, and mm-hmm. so you do it like this. And, and I said, oh, no, that's not her at all. Like we've got, you know, 13 people in the class and finding their funny is what the whole thing is about. And he says, OK, well, then you just better get writing. And the next week, I, I, I did more thinking than writing, but the next week um, she booked a theater for us to do part of our routine in to an empty crowd. But it would be the theater that we would perform in for the um, for our final exam. Um, we everyone had to do five minutes. And that's a long I, set when you're new. 
Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, I got on stage with the lights and I'm like, I, I felt it. I was like, I can do this because I've done because I've performed for, you know, a dozen right. years more. Uh, and I finally got genuine laughs. And I, what great. I did, Charmaine, was I just bagged on myself. I talked about um, my dad and how he came to the to Canada and how he left me with this this mixed bag of personality traits that are like all the wrong ones. Uh, like you, <laughs> you take this guy and he's in this Mennonite and it just, it's the weird mesh. And uh, I had a character called the black Mennonite. My dad is a black man from Guyana. Got in on that West Indian immigration plan. A lot of brothers that I know were doing it. One step, very simple, marry a white woman over 30. They just <laughs> let you into the country. <laughs> My mom, a white woman, Canadian born, from a Mennonite heritage. I don't know if you know about this religious group, but they're very simple living, farming, charitable giving, which makes me a black Mennonite. <laughs> and I wish it was cooler than it sounds. You know, like, I got this vision of it. Like, I hear black Mennonite, and I hear 1970s black exploitation film, like the soundtrack's. <laughs> he wanted to stay on the farm. <laughs> But the streets kept calling him back here. <laughs> a non-violent man, but a bad kung fu mama jamma. I would watch uh, that animated TV series for sure. Black um, Men and Night. Right? Sure. <laughs> I've totally. been, I will say that's even how I bring you up sometimes. I'm like, he's like this black Mennonite. <laughs> yep. Yep. He's like, he's, he's devout in his faith. He's simple, but uh, he's just got a little bit of a, a little bit of a, some cool to him. Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, it was great. And, and I did a bit on the barbershop too. Okay. So uh, yeah, I mean, you needed to, to really get in there yeah. about yourself for, to break open. That makes a lot of sense to me. I'm I'm glad I'm glad that you you did that um I think when we spoke the first time you were saying you were gonna do it but we I don't mm. think we talked sense about about you yeah. actually doing it so that's awesome yeah I look forward to to hearing that video but uh I do want to get you out on your on your hard stop so let's go ahead and <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap it up but we'll, we'll come back together and we'll talk more about some of the other stuff that we touched on today I, I wrote myself a note because the other part of it that I now am facing is uh learning what country we we come from now I have to roll in the French colonization that I didn't right. I didn't have as part of my history before and now that I do that you know now that I understand this I it's something I need to look into because I've always made and again dark humor and using jokes to process some of your feelings I make the joke about being the colonist of colonists like British empires like <laughs> they've touched every part of the world and and in some cases I'm both ally and access powers because yeah you know I'm Japanese too and ugh, it's just a whole it's the whole thing you know uh, and it's that I make jokes as a way to kind of learn a little bit more about myself <laughs> um, that's, that's brilliant yeah and I right. think you know I, I just like, I see I see us as like bridge builders yeah yeah that's exactly you know? it. And I'm really hoping the music does too. Um, it is, I'm not shy about my faith, but it's not Christian rap. Right. Um, I, I can, I can, because I'm, I'm an atheist and you and I, I listen to your music. I, I, I definitely hear it and there are at parts of it that I don't relate to because of that, but. I relate to the you of it all. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the part mm -hmm. that I end up hearing. Yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm an old head. 
I love the jazz rap, uh, <laughs> you know, tribe stuff. But but the the you know the working with working with some of these young guys got me you know spitting over a trap song, you know what I mean, like or a traps a trap the, yeah. style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah I'm I'm just I'm in between. I'm I'm listening to music. I'm like man, this is as in between as I am. Yeah. You know. I mean, yeah. you start to notice once you really start to deal with. The, your mixedness like once you're starting to face it and and try to you know figure out where you fit in it you start to realize how much your mixedness informs all the other parts of you like you know i i really listen i love japanese rap and i love french rap mm. uh, those are two things and for the most part i don't understand all of it i you know i speak a little bit of french i went to you know i took french in school and stuff like that so i'll pick up you know one in every maybe 20 30 words on the french rap but i listen to a lot of it and then on the japanese side i may pick up like one in every 10 words or at least i can pick up a phrase or, or something like that through it um and it's just, you know, to me, it's mashing up of, of cultures that I that I'm from and or that I feel connected to. And and I'm like, oh, this is me. Or there's this there's this graffiti artist here in L.A., um, Gaijin Fujita, that he does tag art in 1990s L.A. style. But he uses feudal Japan as the backdrop of it, you know, so that like it might be like a. A, a samurai in a pose, but he's wearing Raiders gear, or you know something like that. And it's, it's, it's I'll send you some. I'll send you some pictures. I'll send you some pictures because as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh fuck, this is me because I'm like L.A. <laughs> black Japanese, you know. Um, so I'll, I'll send you some of that stuff. But like these little places where you start to realize that your mixedness is informing your interests, uh, really, mm. really start to help you figure. Like you see that you're trying to figure shit out when you don't even realize that you're doing that. Um, and hip hop does that for me and same i mean you and i yeah. listen to a lot of the same era of of hip-hop mm-hmm. um some of the new stuff that the kids are doing today uh, i can't really get into or my high school students oh my gosh <sighs> oh and i did see dmc the other day in person at a comic con um oh wow uh he was just, he has a comic book and and i bought a print and it's like it's our time it's like it's adidas and gold chains and um you know tagging on a subway you know type of thing so it's uh yeah, I'll, I'll show you. I'll, I'll send you a couple of those things too. But yeah, let's get you out of here. Um, yeah, I'm about to go in. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me get you out of here. But before you go, any last words? I wanna. I want to bless everybody listening, um, all part of this community. Um, like, definitely hit me up on social, uh, John Corbin Music, J-O-N, no H, John Corbin Music. But yeah, I mean, we're all becoming cousins now. And yeah. I just want to encourage y'all to keep uh, being bridge builders, keep digging into who you are, because I think that the mix that we have is beneficial for harmony in the world. I really, I really believe that. I'm not, that's no front in there. I think that we can, we can help bring some harmony, um, even though that we've felt alone for so long. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming back. I'm so glad to have this happy conversation about your, your new project and everything. Album is every day and it drops on November 16th. And by the time we air this, it will have been out for a couple of days, but I'll get the links and everything in the show notes so that you can cop it. Word. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to you later. How you doing? I tell you a little story. Hey, mixed kid 16, no lean, no dad on the home team. Through the days of the past, I'm combing. Only hard going fast, I'm roaming. Hey, in the New York minute, I got a new vision. Mark of adoption, call me, got children. Ultra light beam on the east side street, them in NYC. Now it's me shouting, I'm alive, I'm alive. Hey, that's how my brother felt when the Lord touched down. A new man, the spirit did work. Now I'm rolling in the church like JT and Turk, and it's awesome. Blood in my veins, and it's corn.
Carson. Consider the pain that they cost him. He gave me a name, but ain't forced it. Till I found faith, his name, I'm endorsing. Spoiler warning, never thought I could pin this all down. Down, down, down. Look back and see grace along the journey. See the storm before me was a horrible story. From my heart disease to my folks divorcing, it was hard to beat. So I hope to a source of coping. Something like a dose of morphine. I was hooked to porn at 14. Lonely in my soul was tortured like water boarding. When you told the goal is to be pure and holy, you ain't trying to look guilty before the jury. But the judge stepped towards me to go, she worry. Most assuredly, he would try and restore me. Mind, heart, and family. Most importantly, give me new life to behold his glory. Do everything that I was made to do Run life like a race If I'm making moves Or gotta wait for you And when I straight confused Make straight my views Keep the boy on point Like a laser Pew! You reached out When I hated you Traded me grace For my lame excuses Brought me back in Christ Gave me the path to life A fantastic wife And an amazing crew uh. is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me charmaine johnson music for this episode was provided by john corbin if you like what you heard on militantly mix please subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and you can also sponsor us on patreon.com slash militantly mix for a monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mix for a one-time only we appreciate your support thanks y'all main hustle media turn your side hustle into your main hustle